All right. Let's go ahead and open with a, a word of prayer before we start our study. Lord, we thank you uh, this morning for this time and this opportunity that we can come together as a body of Christ. And, and Father, I just pray your blessing upon this time that we have. We thank you for the word. We thank you that we can count on it, that your word is true and trustworthy. Thank you for the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. And Father, we pray for the services to follow. We pray for those who are traveling or those who can't be with us. Father, we pray for this local assembly that we can continue to be a church that strives to exalt our Savior, evangelize the lost, and edify the saints. And so, Father, just give us wisdom as we open up your word. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Okay, Romans chapter 1. Last week we went over verses 16 and 17. This week we're going to look at uh, verses 18 through 21. Um, but I do want to read uh, the verses uh, together because all these verses really go together. We spent quite a bit of time last week talking about um, the righteousness of God and uh, Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. We shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel, but too often we find ourselves in the flesh and we do feel ashamed. But you know what? If that's you, don't feel alone. We've all been there. Uh, that's why we have the encouragement that comes from the scriptures. And so, um, again, Paul here is writing um, the first book that's in the canon that he wrote. He had written other epistles before this point, but this is the first one in the canon uh, that, uh, that he wrote. And with this book, this foundational book, we have, uh, well, just it's the foundation of Christianity. It really is. And that's not to suggest that Christ isn't the foundation. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it is here in this book of Romans where we find out so many of the essential truths as it relates to, um, to Christianity. And so... I want to pick up and again read, start reading in, in verse 16 through uh, verse 21 and do a little bit of a review for last week, but uh, not too long, otherwise we won't get anywhere. So, Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it to them. For the invisible things of him... From the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. There's a lot in there to deconstruct. As you can see why last week we did two verses, verses 16 and 17, because, again, uh, I, love, I love how it flows off the mouth when you read the King James Version. I don't know what version you have. Uh, I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, but I can tell you, whenever I read this, the way that it comes out of my mouth, I love it 
but at the same time, I love it because of, of, of the truth that it contains. It, the gospel is the power of God into salvation. My salvation is dependent upon the gospel, which it is the power of God. It's not dependent upon me beyond me believing it. And, and so I can take comfort in knowing that. Uh, and so as we looked at that last week, Paul again is writing um, that, you know, just above this, we saw that he hadn't been to Rome yet. And he wanted to make it abundantly clear. It's not because he's ashamed of the gospel. You know, on the contrary, he said he's tried to go there, but he was hindered. And so he says, I'm not ashamed of it. And he makes, all throughout his epistles, he says that um, he's not ashamed. It's for the defense of the gospel that Christ be magnified by his life and his death. We saw that in in Philippians chapter 1. He tells Timothy not to be ashamed. Um, And so... As you understand all this, and we look now at this aspect of righteousness. Last week, uh, we talked about the righteousness of God. Righteousness, think of rightness. The rightness of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Uh, And so notice how it has that very first word in verse 17. Again, I don't know what translation you have in front of you. But in mine, in the King James, it says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed. What does that word for do? I'll give you a hint. It connects you back to verse 16. The gospel is what it's talking about. Where he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God. For therein, verse 17, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed. All of these things are, are connected. Bullinger, which I, I use a Bullinger Bible, E.W. Bullinger. Doesn't mean I agree with everything that he says, but he's got a fantastic study Bible. Uh, in my opinion, it's, it's one of the best ones out there. Um, he, he talks about this righteousness and, and, and how it's connected to the gospel. He, he says, in the gospel, God's wrath. We start over. In the gospel, God's wrath is also revealed. And both are the revelation of God's righteousness. God's wrath is part of the revelation of his righteousness. And we talked about this last week when it comes to him being the just and the justifier. He is not just if he's going to justify the ungodly, is he? His wrath has to come against ungodliness. And so the gospel being the power of God under salvation is the means in which the righteousness of God is revealed until Paul comes along with this, with this understanding. Yes, there was the idea that, you know, God is, you know, is, is somehow unbeknownst to many people how he is declaring, going to declare unrighteous people righteous, but it was with the understanding of the great news of the cross and what Christ accomplished. When that was revealed is whenever finally God was justified before man. And what I mean by that, because many people email me and twist my words here probably, but what I mean by that is is when you understand that God has to judge unrighteousness and that he placed that judgment for believers on who? On Christ Jesus. It was when he did that and he revealed to the world once and for, for all that you can have Christ's righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin became sin for us that, 
that we might put on his righteousness. It's with that whole thing that we see God's righteousness revealed. That's so, uh, well, I, I was going to say very astute, and I, I know you don't like, it's not you, I think it's God working through you, just to make that okay, right? But I've always worked on the sanctification part. I just took the justified, sanctified glorification when you pass, you know, for granted. And that really does bring it back to, I think it was even the last Bible study where I was like, well, how could I really believe but still do these things? And, um, wow. You know? Yeah. And, and, and there is a, there's a battle, there's a war that's going on, there's a spiritual warfare, and we've talked about it, that we're in. And guess what? Um, we're still in this flesh. You're still going to sin. That's, that's going to be the case. I, I don't believe, I mean, there are those that, 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 that teach the idea that you can achieve on this side of glory perfection, and, and I'm not one of those that believe that. I, I believe that if, if the Apostle Paul, if Peter, if, 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 it, if they still sinned, the likelihood of me ever reaching a point before I die of being, being able to walk sinlessly it just doesn't make any sense. The only, uh, the only I would offer. <laughs> I heard that, Mike. <laughs> I didn't. What was it? Whenever I said the idea of me, me not being able to sin, he he said she should say amen. So, and for those online, my wife, she, and she could say that. So. I I would offer the the caveat uh, that the only good, or the good in me is Christ. Mm-hmm. Anything I've been able to overcome, or evidence of me overcoming, or having dealt with, or no longer affecting my life, you know, as far as sin, yeah, mm-hmm. is is Christ. Because uh, and God knows I've tried everything else. I was a late bloomer, late comer, and um, so that again is the justification part of it that I tend to gloss over because of being, I guess, you know, willful. Pride in my accomplishments and thinking that you know I can uh, do it myself, right. essentially, or I know better. Put it that way. Sure. And we all relied on. We're always all searching for something, right? And feel that you know we have a purpose, or you know we sort of need a purpose, whether that be good or bad or what have you. But the the purpose in um, I, I have that trouble connection still connecting justification of Christ being Savior and all I need and um, my sanctification process like I said at the start of this. well keep in mind when it comes to that specific aspect of it um, uh, one if, if you're interested in the subject of, of you know how that works meaning um, our body soul and spirit our walk and, and the struggle between the flesh and the spirit there's a teaching we, that we have online um, it's about the body, soul, and spirit. And so I talk about that pretty in-depthly. And in a nutshell, the idea is is that we're in the flesh. We're in a corrupted world. We're in a corrupted body. And so our soul literally is that median between our flesh and the spirit, our spirit which is made alive because our God's spirit has made us, it's quickened our spirit. And so there's this tug of war between our spirit, which is made alive, and the flesh. And sometimes we're going to listen to the flesh and hopefully 
We don't do that as we continue to go on. And, and so how is it that we do it? Well, God has given us tools. It's not going to be as simple as a light switch that turned on in our lives. Yes, Christ has made us complete. We have all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. But he also gave us the tool of this. As we're going to look at later, 2 Timothy chapter 3, you know, all scripture is, and it names all these things. In the last verse, it says that it's profitable for us unto good works. And so, which we'll look at that later in the message as well. But, um, and so, yeah, I mean, we need, we need the body of Christ. We need the fellowship. We need the study of the word of God and all these things, these tools. But whenever we do have the pride get in the way, kind of like you're talking about, we've all been there. We've all done that, I'm sure. At least I know I have. Don't say amen. And so uh, most of us have. George and then Mike. And in my view, it is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that allows us and encourages us in the sinner's world. Sure. Without that. Yep. And that's that's the other tool that he gives us. We have that. that the Holy Spirit's work is to not only to, uh, to seal us, uh, not only to baptize us, but it's also there to guide us and direct us as we soak up the word of God. It's there to give us discernment, you know. And so George is right. Mike. I don't know whether you told us this sometime back or whether I wrote it down in somebody else's sermon, but, but I always struggle with why they said against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. To me, those words seem like the same words, just being redundant. But, but somebody, and it may have been you, said that the ungodliness is in man's relationship to God and the unrighteousness is really man's relationship to man. That wasn't me who said that, and I'd have to contemplate that to, to see if I, if I agreed that there's actually two different words here in the Greek that are being used. They both have a very, um, uh, they're very similar, but they are two different words. And, and so, you know, as far as why it's going to say ungodliness, a lot of um, um, a lot of the time in which Paul later talks specifically whether it's in Titus, a book that's about godliness, um, that godliness has to do with the idea of, of applying the things that are known into our lives so that we can um, be a reflection of that. That's what godliness truly is, is a reflection of, of the truth. And so... Um, I don't, know that, I don't know if that helps, but well, I didn't say what you had said, but it sounds good. I, I couldn't remember who, who said that, but I, I wrote it down in my Bible, and I can't, you know, I don't put who said it's name by it. <laughs> sure. But uh, it, that helped me make sense of it because it, then it, it sounded like, because it sounded like the same word just interpreted two different ways. <laughs> sure, sure. And I don't, I don't do Greek, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and we have to understand that, you know, our good works, whenever we're enemies with, with God, are like filthy rags. And so they don't, they don't mean anything. And this world is blinded by, by a whole bunch of people out there, you know. You know and, and it's easy to pick on the entertainment industry because it's so visible, and so I'll do so. You know, you know, you've, you've got all kinds of these women artists out there that, that want to get up and dance half naked and jiggle around and, 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 and 
cause perversion and then they'll go give a bunch of money to charity. Okay, well, like that's supposed to, you know, make them godly, you know? And, and so, um, yeah, I mean, it, our works are, 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 are not what God wants us to do is, yes, he wants to us to apply these things in our lives, but it starts by understanding first and foremost, just like the rest of this chapter begins to say, God says, I'm God, and you better glorify me as God. And not just a God, but as God, capital G. And so um, the other thing back on, uh, on here, we have uh, whenever God's wrath is, is talked about, um, understand that God's wrath is a determined response. Okay? It's not like um, sometimes with us where it's a reactionary thing in which we get upset and we get mad and, and we, um, you know, lash out. Uh, we weren't perfect parents. Uh, we, uh, we believed in spanking our children, okay? Some people, some people don't. But we also believed in a, a measured approach in the idea of it should be um, an orderly thing. It shouldn't be based upon being angry and mad. Uh, our kids understood that there was, there, was, there was a response that was going to dictate a spanking if you did two specific things. And so that type of thing, they understood and they got it pretty quick that that's what it was going to be. And so um, um, God's wrath is a measured thing. It's not... Uh, in, in the world doesn't seem to understand that. They think that our God is, is just this vindictive God who wants to lash out and, 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 and hate and, and destroy when the story that we have of our God is a God who's very measured, he's long-suffering, um, and he's reserved a day for judgment, that there's a day coming. Yep. And that's Satan saying that in the world, too. That's his, part of his plan. Yep, part of his lie. Uh, and that's what really perversion is. We think of perversion as, as something that's just sexual. Well, the reason why um, sexual um, perversion is perversion is because it's taking something that was intended and using it in a way that it's not intended. That's what perversion really is. Sex is supposed to be, you know, for uh, a married couple who are, who are going to um, be together and they're going to produce children. And, and so Sex has a purpose for marriage, uh, and whenever you take it and you use it in a, a different way, that's why it's perversion. And when you take the idea of anything that God is doing and you change it into something else, you've perverted it. Satan has done that, just like, like uh, Frank is talking about with different things. The other thing I'll tell you when it comes to this, these passages is we look at um, really this idea that God's power is known. And that's what these verses we just read about these these verses that we just read 18 through 21 is really about that God's power is known people can deny it all they want but it has been made known by God is what this is talking about and I can tell you this we like to call ourselves grace believers and you know grace church and um, that type of thing it's impossible in my opinion and I'm not the first one to say this, so, um, but it's impossible to appreciate God's grace uh, without understanding God's wrath. 
it's one of the reasons why you find in the Bible way more um, hell talked about than heaven. Because God has made it known. He's warning the world of, of what's to come. And so it's, it's when you really understand, uh, one, that there is God's wrath, and two, that there's a day of wrath coming, uh, and that you have been freed from that, is when you can truly appreciate God's grace. And you can think of any illustration you want. I mean, insert yourself as a child with your parents. Insert yourself with your children, you know, you know, with you, the parent. It's, it's whenever the kid is expecting, you know, a spanking to come, and all of a sudden you put your arm around them and explain to them that you love them, that they, whoa, you just, they just experienced something deep. And so um, I think that as we keep, as we look at this, we need to understand that it's impossible really to appreciate God's grace without understanding his wrath. And the other thing that I want to look at here when it comes to wrath is, is that there's a, there's a specific wrath that um, um, this is, is getting ready to lead us to. Uh, and there's different types of wrath that scripture talks about. Um, and, and you need to understand that. Um, there's the, the consequential type of wrath, meaning uh, you're going to reap what you sow kind of a thing. Um, you do something stupid and something stupid happens, that's kind of consequential. And, and a lot of times I think that uh, we um, misunderstand the different types of wrath that goes on or the different types of um, things that happen in our lives. And we want to apply it as God judged us and caused this horrible thing to happen in our lives in when in fact it's just the consequence of a decision that we've made and, and it's just the natural thing I used to tell um, Val and I used to, when we'd have conversations you know I used to you know, say God wants one thing for us everything else or he wants one thing from us everything else he wants for us he wants our faith because he, under, he, under, he understands that when he teaches us that adultery is bad, that lying is bad, whenever the cheating your neighbor is bad. He, he understands that, one, yes, it's a sin, but he also understands it's not going to end up good for you. You're going to, you're going to, it's like you're, you're Pac-Man. You know, you remember that game Pac-Man? And, and you got the little dots that Pac-Man goes and eats? Well, guess what? You start walking down a path that is, is full of drugs and full of promiscuity and full of all kinds of things. Guess what? You're, you're going to run into things. And, and so sometimes we, we, we forget that, um, that there, there's consequence to our actions and we want to we attribute that to God has somehow judged us. Well, the one thing that God has judged on the matter is that there is this, you know, almost, and I want to be careful how I, I, I introduce this, it's almost this law of, of nature, and I'm sure there's a better way to explain it, that you reap what you sow. You know, there is that aspect in, in life that you're going to reap what you sow. Now, maybe not always, and maybe you're going to get away with it in this life, but I guarantee you one day you're not. And so you need to, we need to understand, understand that. You walk on a broken bridge, uh, don't be surprised if you fall. Doesn't that sound like what you're talking about when you define this type of wrath consequential? It's like it's a, it, it has to happen unless God decides to show his mercy. It has to happen. It says he, he said he wants to love you instead of, of by teaching you. 
in that the con the consequential thing is that his righteousness demands that. Um, I mean, I wouldn't put it that way. I think that there's an aspect of it, certainly, but there is a dividing line because I, I think that there's the aspect that you're just, again, if you see a broken bridge and you walk across it, don't be surprised if you fall. But at the same time, um, you know, are, are there aspects in which um, God has, is, personally, I believe God has reserved judgment right now. I don't, I don't believe that God is in the business of judging people right now. Um, and so to what degree that we can apply that? Well, as far as the, the, the scriptures allow us. And, and so um, I believe that he's got an open, open invitation of peace. But at the same time, we do see things in scripture in which um, Paul talks about the idea of God judging, um, even, you know, in this day of grace. And so how that all works, I'm not really sure. Um, and I think that if somebody tells you they understand it, that they probably need a little bit more humility, um, is what I think. And so um, it's, 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 it's hard to truly understand it. But I think the consequential aspect of it is really that, that there's, there's, there's this thing set in motion from the beginning that you're going to reap what you sow. And, and that's a scriptural uh, thing that God um, has put in place. Uh, another another as aspect of, of wrath that we that we've seen in Scripture, and again, some of these things aren't in effect right now. And, and this next one in particular, this catastrophic. Um, whenever you think of Noah's flood, whenever you think of Sodom and Gomorrah, these are the things that some of those um, preachers out there on television want to want to suggest that you know that's the reason why Texas got flooded, or or. You, you name it, um, that, that God has, has, has judged the United States or God has judged some country. Um, this is a catastrophic type of, of, uh, of judgment and wrath. God did it in times past. Um, there's nothing in Scripture to think that he's doing it today, and there's a whole bunch that suggests that he's not. Um, for one, he's not dealing with nations. So he's, he's, not, he's not doing that. But we have seen in the past where he's done it. He sent uh, plagues upon Israel whenever they did things wrong. He sent them plagues. He sent them sickness. He sent them droughts. He sent them into captivity. These are catastrophic judgments, wraths of God that took place. But he's not in the business of doing that today. And we should all be thanking, thanking him and saying amen to that. Because I can tell you right now, this country deserves judgment. Every country out there, for the most part anyway, deserves it. We deserve it. George? I, I think for me, the explanation of Christ on the cross asking his God why he has forsaken him is the result that he, Jesus Christ, experienced the wrath of God for all of our sins and unrighteousness. Mm -hmm been done that's and that's the amazing blessing right which is we yeah. can appear to be righteous right and God that he endured that right and, and 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 you're exactly right and that's why I don't believe that that God is you know dishing out his wrath especially to believers today because guess who took that wrath Jesus took that wrath now you're in him 
And if you are in him, for God to mete out wrath to you, he's got to do it between that one mediator between us and God. It ain't going to happen. Now, I think for the unbeliever, is God in the business of judging them um, in, in this day of grace? I think there's a peace offer to them. And so um, are, are there things at play that I don't understand? Probably. Um, and again, you know my belief system on being vague where the Bible is vague. Um, another two more aspects of, of the wrath of God is this eternal wrath of God. And we would know that to be hell and then the lake of fire. Hell is not the lake of fire. Hell is the temporary place. Hell is the jail. Lake of fire is the permanent prison place. And so, um, you know, but whenever you think of both of them, um, you think of it as that place in which, okay, uh, you don't go to hell until after you physically died. And guess what? Once you physically died, you can't be prayed out of hell by people back here on earth. It ain't going to happen. You got one opportunity, and, and, and that is your life right now to get right with God. Um, turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Paul makes mention of this wrath of God. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Paul has come to the, the city of Athens. He is seen the uh, religiosity uh, of superstition of the people there, how they have gods to everybody, uh, even one to the unknown God. And, and Paul begins to explain to the people of Athens that, um, that there is a God that's not made by hands, who doesn't need temples for him to reside in, seeing that he made us. He doesn't depend upon us to make him a home. Um, and so he's explaining that all to him. And then here in verse 31, um, we'll start in verse 30. He gets done talking about the, um, the, the aspects of God. And in verse 30, he says, In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because, so the, see, there's a reason why he commands us to repent. Because there's a day, payday coming. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men that he hath raised him from the dead. And so here we have Paul talking about that day of wrath that's coming. There is a payday someday. And that's what he's talking about here. Now later he talks in Romans, go back to Romans, about this this um, judgment that's coming, this, you know, he's appointed a day in which God is going to judge, judge the world by that man. But then Paul also says here, and this is what we have to understand, why it's important that you understand the Bible. You know, and we'll be talking a little bit, little bit later in the message today, you know, your feelings are not your guiding light. Your dreams are not your guiding light. This is Scripture. It's that unmovable foundation. Why? Because Paul makes it very clear. Look here at Romans chapter 2, verse 16. He says, In the day 
when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. See, if you're going to be right with God, if the gospel, which Paul just got done saying in the chapter before this, is the power of God under salvation, you better understand what the gospel is. Because there's more than one gospel in this Bible. So you better make sure that you understand. And we've, we've talked about that quite extensively. And if there's any confusion on that, make sure that you talk to me or raise your hand and, and we'll go over that. But it's the finished work of Jesus Christ for your sins is the gospel. Belief in that. There is no added works to it whatsoever. And so uh, there's, a, there's a payday and the, the demarcation point, the line in which somebody is going to go from from headed straight to hell or forever eternal life with Christ Jesus, that point that separates the fork and the road is, is just like Paul is talking about, is the gospel, the power of God under salvation. And so um, we, we have to understand that because otherwise you're going you're gonna to end up going um, um, to the wrong place. Any questions on that before I move on to the next aspect? The really the one that Romans 1 is talking about here, and that's abandonment. Romans 1, um, as, as we read on in this chapter, is talking about God's wrath being exercised by abandoning people. And that sounds harsh, but he doesn't do it without just cause. And what, what you, as you read on in the rest of the chapter, what Paul is explaining here is that God, he, 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 he turned these people over to the reprobate mind because they chose, they chose when they knew him, not to glorify him as God. And so essentially he's like that child of yours that just 18, 20 years old and says, I want to move out, I want to move out, I want to move out. There comes a point in time which, guess what? You cannot stop them from moving out. And that's really what it was with these people. God says, okay, you don't want me? Fine. And that's what Paul is describing here in Romans chapter 1. And so this is, this is abandonment here. Look at verse 24 of Romans. Romans chapter 1. As he lists all these things, he says, Wherefore God also, what? Gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies, to themselves. Look at verse 26. For this cause God, what? Gave them up unto vile affections. Um, look at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God what? Gave them over, Gave them over to a reprobate mind. See, Romans 1 is describing a, an event in history in which God, um, understanding that man no longer wanted to retain God in their knowledge, basically knew that God was there and said, we don't want to have anything to do with you. And God's wrath was exercised by giving them up, saying, okay. Does he still do that today? He, he, he does. And, 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 and you have to understand that he doesn't do that to believers. Your conscience can be seared. So you can be a believer. And, and, I, and, and again, I always want to emphasize this. If you're a believer, your salvation is never in jeopardy. Okay, that doesn't mean that you can't <coughs> have your conscience seared <coughs> to the point where you no longer even recognize what's true, good, honest, and all those kind of things. 
Um, that can happen. Um, but guess what? Anybody, and that's the thing about the character of our God, even when God gives these, the people, the world up, because at this time, what, what Paul is talking about goes back to the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel there, the whole world was Gentiles. There was no Israel. But God gave everybody up. And that right after Tower of Babel, which is, is, is Genesis chapter, chapter 11, you have Genesis chapter 12, and God instantly, we see, begins to call Abraham. It's not a coincidence. And so he begins to work through, through a new nation. Did you have your hand up? Go ahead, because I'll, I'll keep going and I'll forget. Well, just something that I noticed that you may not even have an answer to, just maybe easy to study out, but in all the verses you just read, but even above it in the passage we were looking at, um, you know, they knew God, they glorified him not, um, nor were they thankful. Um, it's, it's plural. It's more than one person. Mm -hmm. But then in verse 21, as you get down to the bottom part of it, so, uh, but they became vain in their imaginations, it's still plural, and their, still plural, foolish heart was darkened. It goes to singular. I, I just, I wonder why. Like, it's one heart, you know? It's, well, I think it's because the, the, the aspect of it's this one people of the whole earth has rejected God at this point in time. And, and do I think it's worthy of more investigation? I think everything is worthy of more investigation of the word of God. Um, and so my, my personal instinct is this idea that, that man as, as a whole has rejected God. Uh, and, and so there, there aren't these different multiple groups of, well, there's the Jews and the Gentiles. That didn't even exist at this time. And so, but, but ultimately, like I said, what we have going on here is this abandonment. We see it here in Romans chapter 1. Look at Psalms with me, Psalm chapter 81. Oh, I'm sorry. Somebody else. You had your hand up, didn't you, Reggie? Uh, yeah, we were talking about abandonment. Second uh, Peter three five. For those who are willing, willingly ignorant mm -hmm. of the fact that God created everything, and there's so much witness. I mean, there's the triune God, the triune universe. Uh, everything's triune. Uh, yes. Science will tell you that things are animal, mineral, and uh, vegetable. That's that's it. Space is time, uh, matter, and space. Sure. Yeah, almost everything is, is triune in aspect. Yeah. So um, that is that is certainly true. Did somebody else have their hand up too? Yeah. a good question and one that needs to be answered and, and, and sometimes a simple answer seems um, unacceptable and, and what I mean by that is is the earth was cursed because of sin we don't necessarily like the fact that it was because it brings about these events like cancer and death and whenever God warned Adam and Eve in the day that you shall eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt die and then whenever they did and they rejected him, um, there was a curse placed on 
man, woman, Satan, and the earth. And since then, the whole creation's been groaning. Since then, man has been dying. And, and it's not because God wanted it. He warned mankind. And so, you know, why is there cancer? Because there's death. And why is there death? And that's because there's sin. And so does that make it easy? No. Um, and, and I wish that I could give an answer that, that could make it easy for people who are suffering um, physically. But the answer that I can give you is the same one that God gave. And he says that that curse can be lifted. The promise of eternal life without sin, without the ramifications of sin, without death, without tears, without pain, that is a reality for us if we are willing to accept God's offer of peace. We think that God's judgment, and I'm not speaking for you. I'm not saying you think this. I'm just saying that's the general feeling out there in the world whenever they see things like cancer, whenever they see things um, like horrendous things happening. How is it that a five-year-old can get raped? There is a natural recourse for sin. God didn't have a choice really in the matter to not curse the earth and everything because of sin. He couldn't say, I'll let it slide, could he? Why? Because then he wouldn't be just. He wouldn't be just. Well, you, you may not have, but again, just but because you got cancer isn't necessarily because God gave it to you. Matter of fact, I would tell you definitely you didn't get cancer because God gave it to you. You got cancer because of mutations that take place in the human body, which goes back to the, the creation of the world whenever sit, where, where creation was cursed. Why do we have earthquakes? Why do we have tsunamis? All of these types of things. I mean, that tsunami that hit in the early 2000s, I forgot it, what, killed half a million people. A half a million people. So sometimes we're reaping what's been sown before is kind of the point too. Yes. We there and so don't don't believe for a moment, because this is part of Satan's lie, that the reason why you get cancer or somebody else get cancer is because God is unloving or because God somehow allowed it. That's not the way it works. God is right now offering peace. But even with that, we have to understand that with him having this offer of peace out there, that means that it's a, it's a blanket offer to everybody. Which means also, do we really want a God? Do we really want a God who's going to strike down the moment we sin? <laughs> yeah. And so, so don't think for a moment that you would get cancer because, because God gave it to you. Matter of fact, that's, that's, that's not the case at all. He told man what was going to happen, and man ignored him. And then when you, read, when you read this Bible, you find out that Adam and Eve ignored him. You find out that Cain ignored him, and you, go, you follow every single person in the Bible, all of them. And so... If I was Adam in the Garden of Eden, do you think I would have chosen not to sin? No. And don't say amen. 
And so we all would have done it. And that's the natural consequence because God is just. Because the greatest attribute of God is not love. And that is a lie of Satan. It's a lie of the world. Is God love 100%? Yes. But his greatest attribute is holiness. We think love is, I'll just forget about it and forgive it. No. No. That's, that's not what love is. And so God is so holy, so righteous, that sin cannot enter his presence. It has to be a paid for. Um, and then I'll come back to you and see if there's anything else. That... Well, how about Christianity said trying to make sense of that in the beginning? Just if there was a blind man, his parents must have sinned. Or if there was a sick baby, you know, if we've been trying to ask why for the death and disease from the beginning. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, from the very beginning, there's there's been this at least for the from the very beginning since since Adam and yeah since sin has come into the world, um, death death comes because of sin. Death and sin came because of one man, Adam. He sinned, and so again, you may reap and sow because of decisions that you make, um, but getting cancer is. is at least generally speaking. I mean, obviously, you know, people, some people out there, Ulysses S. Grant smoked I don't know how many cigars for, for many, many years and ends up dying of throat cancer. He reaped what he sowed. Um, but as far as is, is generally speaking, you might not be able to affect, affect it. Just like somebody who walks out in the street and they, they drive right and all of a sudden something happens and they get plowed into by, a, by something. They're not reaping what they're sowing in that sense. It's not, it's not always, not everything that happens to us is because of something we did. Sometimes it's because of something somebody else did. So which is kind of like what Valerie says. I'm not sure who was first, so George. Paul addresses exactly this in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't tell you where it is, but I'm sure, Pastor, you know, when he's talking about what what we should do or what is happening when we suffer these terrible, incredible things. And he, he addresses that in Scripture. He talks about what we can learn from that. No. I'm not, no. I'm not recalling which one. talking about building our... Well building our strength and our belief and faith because of that, because of this. Oh, yeah, I can't think of exactly where you're at, but you're talking about tribulations that produce these types of things. Is that yes. the, Yeah, and I'd have to look it up or somebody else can. Yeah. Uh, maybe there. maybe Whitey knows because I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, too, much, too much leaks out. I think more leaks out than ever makes it way in in my, my brain. But, um, yeah, Paul does talk about that aspect of it. So, yeah, and so... Um, but don't don't think that God is is the one that would do that. I don't I don't think that God or would think that is okay. the kind of loving God. But I, what I was trying to explain is I don't understand what you were saying about reap and soul because I don't I feel like I've been a good person. Sure. I've been a believer for a very long time. And yeah. I've um, tried to help a lot of people. Yeah. And the, their lifetime. So yeah. And the reaping and sowing is 
again, and we got to be careful whenever we apply that. It's just there's a general principle that's there of reaping and sowing. And so, um, um, and that's, that's a principle that God states that's there, that, that, that people are going to reap what they sow. And so, yeah, I'm glad you clarified that because um, that's, that's more in line of what I'm talking about is, is there's a general principle that you're going to reap what you sow. Now, maybe that's going to be God's wrath because you haven't accepted the gospel. Um, maybe that's what it is. Um, but, um, but when it comes to these other matters, that's not the usage I, I'm referring to. Um, yeah, Reggie and then Mike or Val both had a hand up. Well, go back to the book of Job. I mean, he was a righteous man. And look what he went through. You know, and mm-hmm. all it did, I mean, eventually came through it okay, but some 4,000 years later, we get the benefit of that. That hang in there. You know, your reward is coming, whether it's here or in heaven. Sure. Yeah, and Paul even talks about it in his life. Um, but he was even told, or he was told of him that he's going to find out how much he's going to have to suffer for my name's sake. Mike, did you ever hear that? Yeah, I did, uh, but I think Valerie was ahead of me. Oh, Valerie? I was just thinking that, and it's kind of similar to the Job thing, um, God uses those things in people's lives in, in great ways, and that's not suggesting that anybody wants to have any sort of a disease. I can't imagine having cancer, so... Um, but I do know, like, a woman from a church we used to belong to had Parkinson's for years and years, and she was in and out of the hospital a lot, and she was probably one of the biggest evangelists I ever knew, and you could hardly understand her. Her speech was so slurred, mm-hmm. slurred from the Parkinson's. It was very difficult for her, but I I mean, there's got to be so many people who were saved by her, and it was really through her, her illness and... Um, Nurses and doctors and people were amazed when she was in the hospital by her. And uh, anyway, God God uses it to His glory. Um, he does. And and and, and again, um, it's it sounds like you know um, that you understand that um, God isn't in the business of doing that. And just kind of need more clarification if that's what I was suggesting, right? Yeah. So that that's good. Um, somebody else have their hand up, Mike. Well, see how quickly I, I, want, I want to go back and, and and make sure I understand something you said a little bit ago. God's righteousness requires that a penalty be 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 paid. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because if he if he weren't righteous, he could let it slide. Okay, so so God's righteousness requires a penalty to be to be given. And it is his decision when the when the penalty is paid. And his decision was he had Christ come and pay for all of our sins, everybody that believes in him. All of all of our sins are, are taken care of, they're not covered, they're gone, as far as the east is from the west, when we're in Christ. And so, when we sin again, there really isn't a righteous demand that has to be seen by God because it's already happened. Mm-hmm. He's already he's already accounted for that, uh, and and then 
where I, what do you do with passages that talk about uh, because of, and I think it was talking about Christians in this case, uh, because of their sin, they slept. In other words, they experienced death. Yeah, First Corinthians talks about that. What do I do with that? I mean, how do you how do you how do you make that congruous with those two things? It's, that is a very difficult question, and, and it's, it's a one long that, answer, right? It's a very long <laughs> answer. Um, well, and, and I, just, it, I just can't comprehend. It sure. Right well, and, and and we can talk about that in depth later. But the short answer of that is is what do we do with what Paul talks about? Whenever he's talking about the Lord's Supper, that you know, because you're doing it this way, this is the reason why people sleep, uh-huh. which which certainly suggests the idea that that God is 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 um, removing people out of the way, even believers, as a result of judgment. Um, that's that's again, I, I'm not sure that we have a full understanding of how that works, or even if that's still in place today, because we know that Paul talks about the fact that. At that time, there were still healings, that there were still prophets, there were still those speaking in tongues, there were all of these types of things, the Corinthian church. So is that still going on today? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. But the, the Bible's not too, too particular about so, it. So it could be one of those big areas that we're not going to really know the right answer for that I think at, it's, this, at this point. I think it's vague enough that we can't fully, you know... Um, and we don't know Paul's mind to whether he was referring to that because he obviously was involved in the transition of the gospel of of, uh, of Israel and the gospel of us of the grace and so it, he could have been referring to something in that time frame is that what you're saying that could be one of the, one well, of the possibilities right what I'm saying is, is there's things that transitioned out after Paul became an apostle. Some of those are the sign gifts, which we'll be talking about later, actually. Um, progressive, yeah. Right, and so is that one of those things? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. The Bible's not specific on it. Okay. Only thing we can declare is what we see, and we do know our sins are covered, that there is no more wrath and all of these types of things. And so we can't really be too specific on it, and there's a lot of, a lot of people out there who want to be pretty specific about it. And again, I warn I warn people about getting too dogmatic and specific where things are vague. Covered really not what happened to them, right? Hmm? You, you just said they were covered. They're really not covered. They're gone, right? Yeah, I mean, scriptures give us both indications. And, and so um, I think that the, the, what we need to understand is, you know, instead of parsing it out so specifically, is understanding that our sin is dealt with. It's been finalized. That there is for us um, our salvation has been taken care of. Now there is, I know it's one minute to 11 and we're supposed to have stopped 14 minutes ago. It's one of the reasons why I love Bible study here anyway. Um, I don't know if you guys love it. Two more verses I want to look at so we can move on from this. Psalm chapter 81. I'm going to read it. You can write it down if you want. Psalm chapter 81 verses 11 through 12. This is this abandonment aspect of God um, this idea of, of how he um, abandoned um, though man not permanently but he left them um, gave them up here in Psalm 81 verses 11 through 12 he says but my people would not hearken to my voice and Israel would none of me 
So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. And, and so we see this aspect of it. In Hosea, which I cheated, I'm there. Hosea chapter 4, verse 17. Hosea 4, 17, he says, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. And see, we, we have this understanding that, that God is going to allow, even, even you as a believer. Now, the Calvinist will say, and I'll say this again, I'm not a Calvinist. Do I agree with much of what they say? Yes. But I'm not a five-point Calvinist, and I don't apologize for that. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is, is the Calvinists, whenever they see a, see a Christian who gets caught up in sin and begins walking down the wrong path for a long period of time, they just say, well, that person was never saved. I don't believe that. I believe that you as a believer can get saved the moment you believe, you put your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, Ephesians 1.13, you heard, you believe, you trusted, you were sealed. And I believe you can start going down the wrong path and keep on going and head down the wrong way. And when your day is, when your last day ends, you will wake up in glory. Amen. But God, for however long it gets, and if it gets into the idea of, you know, he removes people, I don't know. But I do believe that he is going to let the unbeliever and the believer, he gives them free will. And so this idea, that Romans chapter 1, this, what we're going to get into, is getting into the idea of it. Paul is describing where God gave people up because they chose to reject a God they knew. And so that's what he's talking about. All right. Reggie and then... We'll see well, anybody else. The fact that uh, scriptures say that God sees the end before the beginning. Mm-hmm. When these people get that way, God knows they won't. So he gives them up. Go ahead and do what you want to do. If you don't pay for it later. Yeah, and I think so. But again, um, does, that, does that mean that, you know, God is way more mysterious than we ever understand. And, and how there are things that take place, I, I don't know. And, and I don't want to sit here... And for the sake of pride, tell you I know things that I don't know. And, and I'm okay not knowing. Um, and so um, I'm learning too. I'm still learning. Maybe there's more for me to learn on that subject that's in the Scripture. I, I didn't mean to no, you're fine. elongate this. I was just, uh, that broaches the question of free will. And that's a big topic, obviously. And mm-hmm. then Job's reward was to have a, a book in the Bible. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I mean, so... Yep. Well, great conversation. Now, I just want to follow up. Did I answer your question? Um, or, or is there any other questions that you have on, on that? No, I didn't. Okay, good. So, yeah, so, so there's the three different ways that, that we suffer. We live in a mm-hmm. sin-cursed earth, and mm-hmm. things happen to good people and bad people, good and bad things, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem fair, but that's the case. We suffer all that would look godly suffer persecution, and we also suffer Yeah, and, and, and really, the question to me isn't as much why does bad things happen to good people. It's why does good things happen to bad people. 